You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right, good morning, Radiant Church, and Happy New Year to all of you, and thank you for braving the roads and uh, this blistery, sunny Sunday, snowy Sunday morning. Thank you so much for being here. If you are new here, you are our guest. Thank you. My name is Marco. I'm the lead pastor of Radiant Church, and again, once again, thank you for making Radiant a part of your weekend. Now, let me catch you up to speed on something. Originally, today, this morning, Carter Goss, our youth intern, was supposed to speak this morning. He had it all lined up. He had a message that he had been preparing. I had been working with him. We're trying to grow up um, preachers of the word here in the house and raise up leaders in the house. That's one of our mandates here. And Carter calls me last night and says, Pastor, I'm sick. And I said, okay, that's not good. All right. And then he confirmed that this morning around 6 in the morning. He texted me. He says, I can't come. I can't preach. Uh, can you take over for me? And I said, we'll take care of it. God's got this man. No worries. And so that's the reason why we are starting the series this week. We were supposed to start it next week, as the, the announcement had said. So Carter will speak at the very end of the month, January 30th, after our Seek series. But today, I'm going to kick off our Seek series with kind of an introduction for you, so to speak. What is Seek? Well, Some of you may be new to Radiant Church. Maybe you've only been attending here for the last five months, two months, two weeks, whatever it may have been. And SEEK, listen, is something that we do every single January here at Radiant Church. It is a series, a few weeks that we recalibrate our hearts, recenter our lives on the person and the work of Jesus. How many of you guys know that December can be a crazy busy month? Amen, right? Crazy busy month, you are running all over the place. You're trying to do shopping, you're going on Amazon, you're trying to go to parties, more parties, and more parties. You're eating, you're eating, and you're eating some more, right? You are just indulging in all kinds of things. Listen, I've seen your Instagram feeds, I know. I've seen the charcuterie boards, so I know you've been partying it up, right? And we get so busy and overwhelmed in the midst of the season that January, our Seek series, I want it to be the very opposite. I want it to be an intentional time where we push back the plate. That's right. We push back the cookies and all the junk food, right? We avoid the bad carbs and take in the good carbs. Amen, someone, right? And we, right, we focus our time on Christ himself, on the word of God, on prayer, and in fasting. And so that is what we do during our Seek series. And we have a 21-day devotion that was written by me and several of our other leaders here at Radiant Church. I'm so proud of them. I'm so excited uh, for the work that we're going to show for you Uh, next Sunday, as Victoria explained. That will be available online, totally free for a digital download. If you want the hard copy, it's $5 each. There will also be a fasting guide that we'll have online. That's simply a PDF, a digital a digital guide to help you learn more about what Scripture says about fasting. Now, let me say this. There are three components, three prim- primary components when it comes to seek, okay? First one is Scripture. Second is prayer. Third is fasting. Now, let's talk about those for just a few moments. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin to ask the Lord. I want you to begin to intentionally 
purposefully figure out what you will be reading in Scripture for the next few weeks. Will you go through a book of the Bible? Will you go through a gospel? Will you be in Psalms? What will you do? Find a Bible reading plan. If you already have one, fantastic, but a lot of you don't. So I want you to find one and be intentional about being in God's Word every day. Prayer, I want you to, listen, choose a time and a place where you will pray. Why a place? Because habit experts tell us that a place for your habit is just as important as the habit itself. So choose ahead of time where you will pray and when you will pray. And then guess what? Pray. That's right. Pray. And if all you know how to do is pray for two minutes, well, I challenge you to double that during January for four minutes. If you're praying for five minutes, pray for ten. If it's two hours, then pray for four hours, wherever you're at. I simply want you to engage God in prayer. We'll talk about that in this series as well. And then finally, uh, the third component is fasting, which is what? Abstaining from food or distractions or things like social media. Man, that is a huge distraction. There have been times, I have to admit to you guys, that I have scrolled. I've been guilty. I've discovered that I've been scrolling for 30 minutes or more. Have you, have you ever done that? You don't have to raise your hand. Don't worry. I'll be the only one to confess my sin this morning. And I think to myself, what could I have done with that time? I could have read a great chapter in a book. I could have been in Scripture. I could have been praying, right? Instead, I'm mindlessly scrolling. What a waste of time. And so listen, for some of you, you may fast social media for 21 days. Maybe it's for three days. Maybe you're going to fast certain foods, like all the cookies and the junk food and the, the Reese's peanut butter cups that I love so much. Oh, my goodness, right? You're going to abstain from those things. Why? So you can sort of empty yourself and really put all the focus in on God himself. And so those three components are the things that we practice during Seek, and I want you to jump on board with us as corporately as the body of Christ together, right? The body, I want us to do this together. I want Radiant Church to be characterized by a group of people who seek the face of God. And this morning, we're going to begin in Psalm 63. This is a Psalm of David. You can flip there if you want to. Go on your smartphone if you want to. We'll read out of the ESV, the English Standard Version, this morning. We'll have the verses behind me. I will pray as soon as that is done, and then we'll get on with the rest of our message. So here's Psalm 63. David is writing this. He says this, O God, you are my God, and earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, longs for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live in your name. I will lift up my hands. This is why we lift up hands here in Radiant Church. People raise their hands all throughout. Why? Because it's biblical. It comes from the, the scripture. Lifting up hands is a sign of surrender. You don't have to feel weird about it. It's a sign of surrender. We do this as a body to show God you can have all of us. All of our lives belongs to you. So he says, I'll lift my hands up to you. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. And when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. I love this language that 
that, that, that David uses. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth, and they shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for the jackals. But the king, he's referring to himself here, but the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exalt, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. What a powerful, beautiful piece of Hebrew poetry that David has penned for us. I want to take the next several moments and minutes to dive into David's message, his heart, what that is going to teach us and show us this morning. Before we do that, can we just take a few seconds and let's pray together. God, we love you, and we are so um, excited of the new year. God, we, we just anticipate, God, all the things that you will do, God. God, we come in with an expectation to see you move and see you work. But God, we're also humble enough, God, to acknowledge that we have no idea what is around the corner, God. We have no idea what hardship, what, what trial, what desert that we may walk through, God. But we're trusting. Whatever it is, God, you will be with us. Because after all, you are Emmanuel, the God who's with us. And so, God, we come in with a heart of expectation a heart full of gratitude as we look back on 2021. And, and yes, there were hardships. And yes, there were, there were trials. But God, you did so much in our lives, individually and corporately, God. And as we sang this morning, God, we have seen your faithfulness, God. We celebrate that, Lord. Would you open hearts, minds, and ears to everything uh, as to what you want to say to us individually and corporately. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen, amen. Well, in your Bible, I don't know about your Bible, but in my Bible, on top of Psalm 63, it says this, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness. Now, my wife and I have been to the wilderness, literally to the wilderness in southern Israel and it was a place of desolation. It's a place, it's barren. It's a place where there is no life. I mean, literally, and this is not an exaggeration, literally the only thing that you can hear in, in, in the wilderness is the sound of the wind. Just, and that is about it, right? It's a place that is characterized by loneliness. It's a place that can be dangerous because here's the thing. If you're in the wilderness alone, I mean, you're alone. So if you're in trouble, there's no one for miles who can help you. It's a place where, where listen, where a storm, a rainstorm can rapidly move in. And we, we experienced that ourselves firsthand. The, the, our, our tour instructor had to say, come on in, there's a storm coming. And literally, we were all running towards the bus because this storm came in in a matter of about five minutes. He saw lightning strike and in Five minutes later, there was just rainfall, downpouring. So it can be a dangerous place, a place where flash floods take place. It can also be what we know as a metaphor. It's a metaphor for when God seems distant. When God doesn't seem like he's close, he doesn't feel close. We're not sensing his presence. And a lot of us, I think most of us, all of us, I think, I'll just say it, we'll, we'll go through a wilderness season. I want you to hold on to that thought because we'll come back to that in just a few more 
moments. So this is a time where David's in the wilderness. Now, now if you know your Old Testament pretty well, you may, your mind may race back to a time where David is in the, the wilderness because he's being hunted down by King Saul. You may remember those stories in uh, 1st, 2nd Samuel there. And, but this is actually not that case because why? Well, because here at the end of Psalm 63, David calls himself the king. That means that we know this, that David is king at this time. There was another time that David was forced to go out into the wilderness, though. That was when his own son, Absalom, tried to overthrow his very own kingdom. So Absalom betrays him. David is forced out into the wilderness as this fugitive, as this person on the run, so to speak, and most commentators and scholars believe that this is probably the place where David penned this song. Being betrayed, lonely place, not in a good spot. But I love the way that this psalm begins, and I want to focus our attention here for just a few moments. From the onset, verse number one, David says this. He says, Oh God, you are my God. It's powerful. It's relevant. Why? Because what we notice is this. We notice that this is not the writing of a man who did not know God. This was not the writing of a man or a person who was not acquainted with God. No. On the contrary, this psalm, listen, is written by a man with deep relationship with God. It's written from a place that he knows God. He's seen God. He's, he has history with God, and he cries out from that place of intimacy. God, I know who you are. I know your character. God, we know each other face to face. There's covenant. There's relationship there. David cries out from this place of relationship. Have you noticed this? Have you noticed that we... We tend to treat people differently based upon how long we know them, how long we've known them, right? If you get to know someone and you've known them maybe for just a couple of weeks and then they're, they're joking with you and they're, they're beginning to poke fun at you and, and they're saying things that are, are mildly funny but not really funny, you'll laugh maybe for a moment. <laughs> Wait, what did you say? It's not funny, right? Why? Because they don't know you that well. They don't have that sort of permission to say those things. Now, same jokes, same banter, same sort of language. You have those conversations with people that you've known for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, right? And it's totally, totally different. You laugh it off. It's not a big deal. Why? Why can these people do this to you? Why can they say that th those things about you? Here's why. I like to call it they have relational equity. You catch what I'm saying? Relational equity. Equity. You've been in some battles with these people. You walk through some journeys with these people. They have history with you. I love that, right? Shared common history. This is the difference between those who know each other well and those who barely know one another. Right? When you have a history with someone, there's a different language that you use with them. Right? There's a, there's a more intimate language that you use. There's a closer bondage that you have, of course, certainly. And this is the case with David. 
This is the case with David. David has this deep history with God, relational equity. He knows him. He knows he's not crying out to someone who he's never met or he doesn't know. No, David knows God intimately. And let me just begin with this question this morning. Are you like David this morning? Let me, let me get more specific here. When you are driven out into the wilderness or into the desert, when you find yourself in a tragic and a painful place or circumstance, when you are literally sucking in quicksand from the desert that's all around you, can you, do you cry out to God and say, oh God, you are my God. Can you do that? Do you do that? Are you like David? And when you do that, God knows you. He knows you by name. Right? I'm talking about this relationship, this, this history, right? This, this history of seeing God's faithfulness year after year after year, this relational equity between the two of you. Why? Because you've sown in tears. You've sown in tears your prayers. You've sown in time on your knees. You've sown in hours serving with other brothers and sisters in the ministry. You've served in hours reading, pouring over Scripture. Listen, you know him. You know him. Relational equity. History. You have history with God. Because if you don't, listen, if you don't, the opposite is not sufficient. The opposite is not sufficient. Let me, let me give you some examples of what the opposite might be. Because if you don't know him this way, listen, here's what the opposite is. The opposite is going through the motions because you think that your religiosity is somehow equivalent to knowing him. The opposite is church attendance to appease another family member or a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend. The opposite is going to church simply out of man-made traditions. And you might be here doing that. I don't know. That's why I'm here to tell you. <laughs> Are you, do you know him? I want to ask you that question and thank the Lord that you don't have to answer out loud, right? In each case, in each case of those cases that I gave you of doing the opposite, listen, your external actions are separated from your heart. That's the difference. That makes all of the difference, right? And the problem is, the problem is that God already knows this. God already knows this. And God will not accept your religious veneer, okay? Your plastic Christian mask. God will not accept your attendance to please another person. God will not accept attendance to somehow satisfy man-made traditions. No, he won't. Listen, here's what he will accept. God will only accept those who come with a humble and contrite, broken heart, those who say, I want to know you. I want to know you. It's got to move past going through the motions. It's got to move past getting dressed up for church. It's got to move past, right, singing some songs. It's got to move past all of that to saying, God, no, 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 I want to, I want to know you. So once again, let me ask you the question. Do you know him? Have you met Jesus? I'm serious. Have you met Jesus? I'm, we're just going to hang out here for just a few moments. Have you met Jesus? Because you would have known if you met Jesus. I promise you, you would have known that. You will know. Why? Why is that? Because Jesus will disrupt your life. That's why. He will disrupt your life. He will change your world upside down. Jesus, listen, will take everything from you and not apologize. 
Jesus will radically change your lifestyle. He will not just have you go through motions separated from your heart. That's not Jesus. That is what we call religion. Some people, listen, that's all they've known. That's all they've grown up in. And I'm here to tell you there's more. There's more. There's much, much more. I'm getting a little bit fired up. I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be all right. Though. Happy New Year. Here's the idea, though, you guys. This is so important. Oh, God, you are my God. This is the foundation of the whole psalm. This is the foundation of our relationship with God. There has to be relationship. There has to be not just tradition, not just emotion, not just uh, my wife wants me to go to church. No, it's got to be you. It's got to be you. It's got to be you. And I'm not condemning you. I love you. I'm just here to challenge you. I'm just here to tell you there's more, and God is saying, come, come to me. Come to me. He's saying that. Not me, but him, right? That's what God wants. He wants to know, be known and know you personally. And the idea is this. So once there is this relationship established, here's what we see in the rest of the psalm. This is fascinating, right? David, listen, it doesn't start with the establishment of the, of the relationship. Because I know many of you, you are, you've already done that. You have already done that. And I'm, I'm happy. I'm excited. Woo, yeah. That's awesome, right? But there's more. There's more. Because David honors and worships God in at least two more ways. It moves forward in two more ways. I will explain this, but listen closely. It moves forward in two more ways, in thirsting for God and in feasting on God. And if you think that's crazy, well, then I just pulled it straight from the psalm. So you can deal with him. Thirsting on God and feasting, or thirsting for God and feasting. On God. This is language sort of that really comes in from the psalmist himself. God is worship. He's honored. He's savored in both thirsting and feasting on him. Let me show you that, okay? Let me show you because you might not believe me. Let's look at the first four verses one more time. And I want you to see the language of thirsting for God, longing for God, desiring for God. Here's what it says. Oh, God, you are my God. Earnestly, right, with a heart of conviction, of passion, earnestly, I what? Seek you. I'm looking for you. I'm chasing after you. I'm, I'm trying to know you. I'm, I'm intentionally moving forward with my relationship with you. I'm going after you. God, I'm coming after you in 2022. This is the language David uses. He says, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there's no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. I've seen you, God. I've experienced you. I can't just sit here and worship going like this. My hands are lifted. I'm singing. My tears in my eyes. I've seen you. I know you, right? Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live in your name. I will lift up my hands, right? Thirsting, longing, this desire. Listen, and we know this is the, the Psalms are a model of worship for us. The Psalms are not just cute Hebrew poetry in the Old Testament. The Psalms are a model of worship. Teach us, they give us language to worship. This is actually what the, ancient, what the ancient Jews used to worship. They used the Psalms, right? There's also this other language that David uses, which is feasting on God. So there's thirsting for God, and there's also feasting on God. Let's look at 5 through 9, verses 5 through 9. And, and notice there's a difference here. It's a subtle difference, but there is a difference. It says this, my soul will be satisfied 
with fat and rich food. He's satisfied. I'm gonna, man, I'm going to enjoy God. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. And I don't know, if you've, if you've never been to the Mediterranean, the food there is, oh my gosh, amazing, incredible, so good. I think we, we, we like hiked 10 miles a day, and yet we gained like 10 pounds there because we ate so much food. And it was amazing, like this rich Mediterranean food. And we were just like, give us more, give us more, give us more, right? I mean, think about that because this is the language David is using. My soul will be satisfied with fat and rich food. Think about the best meal that you've had in the last few weeks, right? That's what David is equating this with. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, you have been my help. He's saying, God, you, yeah, you're here. You've been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life will, uh, shall go down into the depths of the earth, right? So uh, here is the language of feasting. This is the language of David is saying, I'm, I'm enjoying God now. This is I have God. I'm satisfied with who God is and my relationship with him. He's been faithful. He's been my right hand. He's been helpful, right? All of these things lend to the language of feasting. Now, I'm not sure if you can see the difference between these two, but I will explain because there is a difference between thirsting for God and feasting on God. There's a, there's a subtle difference, a small difference. And let me explain that to you, right? Thirsting on God takes place when it seems as if God is distant. That is what we call the wilderness. Back to my first point. When we thirst for God, we thirst for him. Why? Because it feels like he's not near us. And we're trying to ask God, where are you? I long for you. Feasting on God, on the other hand, listen, are seasons when God is near to us. or When we sense his presence near to us. We know that God is always with us. We understand that, right? However, at times it feels as if we're distant or he's distant. There are, there are times, and we can confess this, God feels more like his presence has been more manifested in our midst more so than other times. We, we can all agree to that, I think, anyways. So here's what we have in Scripture. I talked about this on Christmas Eve just a bit. We have, well, three seasons, right? Mountaintops, mountaintops, every, everything is good. Kids are healthy, making more money. Right, you bought the new house. Uh, wife just had another baby. Awesome, mountaintops, valleys, low seasons, death, sickness. She lost her job, miscarriage, suicide. Not easy, hard seasons. Wilderness. God seems distant. God, where are you? I don't sense you. I don't. I feel like I'm empty. I don't have you. What's what's going on here? A wilderness season. We go through these different seasons in life. And I understand that not many of us, I don't think any of us anyways, not many of us enjoy the wilderness seasons of our life. But can I just tell you that we need them? We need them. Let me explain why. We need the wilderness seasons because, listen, God uses the wilderness to wean us off the things of this world. Okay? So when David speaks, I'm going Here's what I want you to see. When David speaks of this thirsting for God, early of Psalm 63, you can go back and read it if you want. When David speaks of thirsting for God, David is not thirsting for God's blessings. Did you know that? Did you see that? 
He's not thirsting for God's blessings. He's thirsting for God himself. David's not saying, God, would you give me that car? I just need that. God, would you? I need uh, whatever. I, I need this. I need that. I mean, of course, David, he does that in certain psalms. We, we know that. We know that, right? But in this instance, David is not looking at what God can give him. He's looking for God himself. He's looking for who he is. Look, the idea is this, is that God is not truly worshipped unless we are seeking him for who he is alone and not what he can get us or give us. If we're worshiping God simply for all the things that he can give us, it's potentially true of us that we may become idolatrous, that we're worshiping the stuff instead. Until you can come to know God for himself, that's when God is truly worshiped. Now listen, I feel, I, I told first service this, I feel so grateful right now, just a heart of gratitude, just simply because God has been good to us. He's been good to, good to our church. He's been good to my, my, my marriage and my, my family. He's been good to our kids. We feel so incredibly blessed. Everything is moving up and to the right for us. I mean, just, I'm just being honest right now. I feel so blessed, right? But there's more than just seeking God for just the stuff he gives us. God wants us to know him for who he is and who he is alone. He wants us to enjoy him, not just his hand. Psalm 27, we saw it up on the screen earlier during the bumper. Right? Your face, Lord, do I seek. Face, not hand, face. Intimate language, I want to know you, I want to see you face to face, not just the things that you can give, he can give us. You see, we cannot do without the wilderness experiences of life because here's the deal. If all of life were a paradise, if all of life were just simply this utopia, um, amazing garden, nothing ever went wrong in life. Listen, it would be very possible that we could become addicted to enjoying the gifts of God rather than enjoying God himself. Surely, that is why Jesus said it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And when I say rich, I, I mean me and all of us together, okay? All of us, rich. And surely that is why he takes his sons and daughters through wilderness or desert seasons over and over and over and over and over again. Why? Because he's weaning things off of our lives. He's saying, no, 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 no. You're prioritizing the wrong stuff. For some of you, listen, you would have not known, you would have not even known that you needed God if it were not for the wilderness that you're going through right now. So I know you might be crying, and I know it might be painful, and I'm not in no way trying to diminish that or make less of that, and no means that am I trying to do that. But listen, the season that you're going through may absolutely, ultimately be a blessing from God because he's trying to say, listen, you had your mind and your heart set on all the wrong things, and I'm taking those things away from you so you can have your mind set on me. And you wouldn't have even known that unless you would go through this season, unless you would walk through this wilderness. You would have never even developed a thirst for God or a hunger for God unless he took you through that season. And so maybe instead of complaining to God, maybe you should be giving praise to God. And God, you have been with me all my days, and you are with me right now, right? He just broke my heart. I love him so much. No, no, no. He wasn't good for you. That's the thing. You don't need to be with him. No, the pastor, I'm so... No, no. 
Listen, God's trying to reprogram. He's trying to give you something much, much better. He's trying to bless you. And if you keep fighting him on it, listen, it's likely, it may be likely that, that you'll just get what you want and you'll have to settle for far less than what the good father wants to give you. C.S. Lewis puts it like this, that we settle for making mud pies in the slum. He says we are far too easily pleased. This is the nature of all of us, is me included, right? God wants to say, no, 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 I want you to refocus, reprioritize life on me. And so what we see here in Psalm 63 is this heart of true worship from David. I love this psalm because it really is a heart of worship. And, and we see David thirsting for God and feasting on God. And, and I want to I give you a definition from what I see in Psalm 63 of what worship is. Worship is exerting the mind's intention and the heart's affection towards God. Leave that definition up there, if you would, for just a couple of minutes. Worship is exerting the mind's attention and the heart's affection towards God. Now, listen, a lot of you, a lot of you did not grow up in an environment that took God-centered worship seriously, okay? And I'm not trying to dog you out on this at all, okay? You simply came from a more traditional background, you came from maybe more of a mainline denomination. Um, it was just a lot more stiff, cold. There was, you were like shunned if you, if you showed any emotion towards God. I, just, I don't know, understand that because I guess people don't read the Psalms in those churches. I don't, I don't get it. But anyways, you don't show any emotion towards God. You're, you're not supposed to anyways. And you just, you've, you've come from a place that did not really celebrate or take seriously God-centered worship. And a lot of us today, even in Radiant Church here, a lot of us today come into Radiant with more of a passive um, entertainment mentality. Like, I want the band to entertain me. I want the lights, and I'm not going to lift up my hands unless they sing really good, and I'm going to judge everything I can about this, and I, I want the preacher to wow me, and if he doesn't, I'm going to walk home, and I'm going to be disgruntled. And it's just like it's, all, it's actually all about you, though. You're worshiping yourself probably in that, in that case, right? You're not focusing your heart. The worship is exerting your mind's attention and your heart's focus. But if you're too busy judging Adam or judging Allie or whatever, listen, you, you, you're not going to do that, right? You're, you're simply not going to do that. It's a passive entertainment mentality. And therefore, listen, your mind won't be stimulated. Your, your affections won't raise up unless it's the most stimulating of moments, okay? So the thought of exerting effort for you and exerting your heart's affections towards God, listen, is probably foreign to many of you. And I'm just, this is just a matter of fact. It's probably foreign to you. You don't, you don't know what that is. You don't understand that. And for you, David says in verse number two, God, I've seen you in the sanctuary. I've beheld your power and your glory. For you, that has to be a learned behavior. For you, you have to practice that because you just, you, it doesn't register with you. This morning, we're going to enter into a bit of time of worship here where we're going to fix our thoughts and our attentions to Jesus, our heart's affections towards Jesus. And for some of you, listen, this morning, I think there's about three categories I can summarize or wrap this message up in. For some of you, let me just say this. Um, you've done verse one, okay? Oh, God, you are my God. 
You've done that part. You've established a relationship. But for some of you, and I, and I think this is a lot of you actually, that's where it's ended. There's been no thirsting for God. There's been no outward expression for him. There's been no emotion tied to God. There's been no heartfelt singing to him in church. There's just been something else. I'm not sure what it might be. But you've established the relationship. And I'm just here to say that there's more. There's more. There's a thirsting for God. For others of you, maybe um, you haven't even got to that. So when I say, oh, God, you are my God, you're like, I don't about Marco. I'm here because she said to come. I'm here because he told me if I didn't, I'd, I'd get Applebee's if I came, so I'm here. Just keeping it real, you know what I'm saying? And this morning, I just, I'm going to invite you into a relationship with the living God through his son, Jesus Christ, into real relationship. I'm not talking about a religion. I'm talking about knowing him the way that David knows him, this idea of thirsting, yearning, longing for God, this, I can't get enough of you. I want to I wanna read your word. I want to worship. I want to I wanna express my heart to you, God. I, I want you, right? This morning, you can know God through his son, Jesus Christ. You can turn away from your life of sin. You can repent is what the scripture calls it, repentance and receive. Repent and receive. Receive what? The grace, the forgiveness, and the love of God in Jesus. Have your heart transformed and renewed and begin walking with him. It doesn't mean everything is going to be perfect or everything will change all of a sudden. It does mean that you will walk with him and begin to know him. So for some of you, maybe that's you this morning. You, you don't even have a relationship. And then finally, there's some of you this morning that I think that you might be in the wilderness. You're in a season, listen, where you don't sense God. I've been there. It's like I don't really have an appetite to read the word. I, don't, I mean, I'm going to admit it. You, I'm human. What can I say? I don't have an appetite to read the Word of God. I don't have an appetite to pray. If that's you, listen, I, I want you. You're so used to, listen, waiting on God to reveal himself or show himself to you. Then you'll exert some emotion, and I want you to, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to exert effort this morning. I want you, listen, to fix your mind's thoughts on him. I want you to stir up, to begin to to fix your heart's affections on Jesus. Listen, God is, uh, you're not really waiting for God. God is waiting for you, actually. He's waiting for you. And instead of just thinking, well, I just don't feel anything, so I guess I'm going to sit here. No, 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 don't, don't settle for that. Don't settle for that. Don't settle for that. In fact, you can even pray. Well, Adam's going to lead us in one more song. You can even pray, God, stir my heart's affections for you. I don't feel that way. God, I don't really care about reading my Bible. God, I, don't, I just don't really care about you. Just be honest. It's okay to be honest. He knows anyways. Just say, God, you, you feel me right. He says, I feel you. God, stir up my heart. My heart's cold right now for you, and I, I, I want to love you more. I want to draw close to you. God, would you draw close to me? God, I want you. I love you. I do. God, help my mind to fix my thoughts on you. Right? Begin to pray that as we sing this last song. Maybe, just maybe, you'll sense the Spirit of God is drawing near to you. There'll be a, a hunger that starts to, to, to be stirred up in your inner being. All of a sudden, you're like, I want to read Scripture. I want to pray. I want to journal. There's, I've, ne I've never wanted to do these things. And now, all of a sudden, I feel like, Wow. I actually want to. This is insane. Someone from first service told me that. Like, I, I've never experienced this. And I actually have this hunger for God. I'm like, praise God, brother. That's, that's it. You're getting it. There it is right there. That's it. He, he, that's what he told me. He's crying. He's like, 
he's all into it. I'm like, yes, amen. This is why we exist as a church, to introduce people to Jesus, yes, to know him, to love him, to walk with him, to experience him, to be changed and set free by him. This is why we exist. This is why the ministry of Radiant Church exists. And this is what I want to challenge you with this morning. So Adam's going to sing a song. I'm going to pray for us. A lot of you know this song. It's an older song. Old but goody. And um, I just want you to do what God leads you to do. And I'd love, I'd love for you to, I'd love you for you to exert some effort. That's right. That's right. Lift up your hands. I don't feel like, I don't care what you feel like. Do it anyways. Do what the psalmist does. That's, isn't it, isn't that the, that's in the Bible, right? Do what the psalmist does. I don't feel like singing. What the psalmist says, I sing for joy. And you're like, I feel so awkward, I feel so awkward, I feel so awkward. And all of a sudden it's like, this ain't bad. <laughs> this ain't bad. So exert some effort towards God this morning so that it can be said of Radiant Church that we are a church that seeks the face of God and not just the hand of God. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you and we are, um, we're just expecting of what you'll do even in this moment, God. God, we trust that you're near us right now, that you're with us, Lord. Every season, every trial, God. God, I just don't want to settle for a church going through the motions. And so, Lord, you laid this message on my heart late last night. God, may we be like David. May we say, God, you are my God, that we, we know you in a personal and a very real way. And God, may you begin to set captives free this morning, Lord. Lord, I pray for the religious sort of spirit, the spirit that just goes through things for tradition's sake to be broken in Jesus' name. And I pray for a freedom that comes from the spirit of God, a freedom to worship, a freedom to sing, God. Would you stir our hearts' affections for you this morning? Do it in this place, in Jesus' name.